Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. We're going to talk Sovereignty Act this half hour, and I want to hear from you. I also want to hear from Sophie Norman, who is a consultant with uh, Summa Strategies and somebody that we turn to often for her take on politics, especially at the national level. Sophie, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Hi, Shay. It's great to chat with you. So we know how this move by the Alberta government plays here in this province. If you're on the Danielle Smith train, this is much needed. This is very good. Now, even if you hated the Sovereignty Act before, and almost every conservative did at one point in time, now you're all in. It's all good. But if you're not, you don't like Danielle Smith, you've never liked it, you still don't. Um, What's the take, though, where you are in Ottawa? We had some reaction from some federal liberals, pretty subdued. How is this being received where you are? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I think it's probably safe to say that Premier Smith is is not a a member of the the Justin Trudeau Liberal Government Fan Club. Um, And I think that her actions related to the invocation of the Sovereignty Act really, really demonstrate that. I mean, the regulations are still very much in a draft form, um, so there's nothing yeah. that would be coming down the pipeline um, at any time soon. Um, but I think what we're seeing um, is a lot of partisan posturing, which exactly like you said, would play very well yep. to those supporters of Premier Smith in Alberta. Um, and in the federal side, um, you know, I think there's still very much a strong desire to to work together, to negotiate and collaborate, to find uh, a solution that would be palatable for both the federal government in terms of, of what they're trying to achieve with these 2035 targets, but also palatable for the government of, of Alberta and the people in Alberta who are going to be the ones who would have to do a pretty heavy lift to make sure that their grid gets to that, uh, that 100% uh, clean energy level by 2035. Yeah, more so than any other province in the country, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you make a really good point. There's politics involved here. And, you know, and the Premier didn't come out and say, yeah, this is politics. But she did say that, you know, we hope that this adds pressure to the negotiation. So, I mean, she's definitely pulling out a tool out of the tool belt here. I'm wondering if you're the Liberals, it's a bit of a fine line. Because like you say, there are all kinds of reasons to just disregard this as pure political theater. But at the same point in time, um, you can't completely disregard because if you do, you will be disregarding Alberta and a lot of Albertans. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a choice they haven't made yet, at least not publicly. They talk about negotiations, wanting Alberta to be part of this. So you can't completely just say, well, this is nonsense. We're not. You have to mm-hmm. at least give it some sort of standing, right? Yeah, I would I would agree. And I think, too, the interesting thing in this situation is it's not only the Alberta government that has expressed some concerns about what the, these draft regulations look like. Um, there have been a lot of industry associations and other stakeholder groups that have also expressed concerns um, about the fact that there yeah. needs to be more flexibility um, in these in these regulations to make sure that the provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, who will have that heaviest lift in getting 
getting um, to that 100% clean energy target, um, it's important to make sure that they have that flexibility to, to be able to reach those targets in an affordable and reliable way without causing any issues uh, for consumers who, you know, would face issues getting access to, to electricity in their homes. So the, the concerns, I think, in my mind, are, are fair. They're, they're valid concerns that are expressed by, by more than just the Alberta government. Yeah. But the important thing here, I think, is, like you said, making sure that everybody um, feels as though they're heard and that the solution that, that is reached by, by the federal government and the provincial government is one that is palatable to both. Yeah, you make a really good point. It's not just Alberta. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw this weekend Tom Mulcair, former leader of the NDP mm-hmm. party, saying, hey, listen, you know what? Alberta's got a case here. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from. So you're right. There are people that recognize that, you know, you're really asking a lot of Alberta, and understandably, they're upset by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there are other associations, like I said, and industry groups that are, are looking at these 2035 targets and looking at how they're going to affect their members and how they affect consumers. Um, and they have a lot of the same questions. So I think, um, you know, the fact that Minister Wilkinson um, and other federal counterparts have been relatively subdued in their reaction to that, to me, is a sign of their, their willingness yeah. um, to, to keep the conversation going. Um, I don't think that they're looking for, for a big fight on this. They're there are lots of other fights that are happening for the federal government right now on a lot of different fronts. And I think that this is one where they want to make sure that they can keep the working relationship with the government in Alberta as positive as they can um, and make sure that um, they can find targets and they can find ways to reach those targets um, that don't put any unnecessary strain on consumers or on the governments that have to meet those targets. Yeah, And so if you mentioned the current state of the federal government, I don't think that can be overlooked in this context the fact that they're floundering uh, at every turn. They're, they're desperately seeking a win. Uh, this one is proving to be more difficult. Um, like you say, their draft proposals, I don't even know if they're going if the Liberal government's going to be around long enough to make them a reality, to be completely honest with you. So it may all be much ado about nothing, but they don't want another loss. They've lost two federal court cases mm-hmm. on this front recently. They've got to be very careful, right? I would agree. If I'm if I'm the federal government, I'm I'm not feeling super great about this. Um, it's been a, a tough couple of months. Uh, you and I have spoken about this at length about the issues that the government is, is facing, and there, it just seems to be issue after issue that, that piles on with no silver lining in sight just yet. So whether or not uh, the government, like you said, is, is around to make these regulations a reality, that that remains to be seen. Um, in, in politics, you know, any, anything can happen. Um, so I think that the government, like I said, is not going to be looking for a big fight on this. They have other fights that they are, are working on right now. Um, and they have a lot of a lot of things that they need to focus on themselves to make sure that they are in a position to put up um, a decent showing whenever that next election comes around. So I think that if they can find a way to, uh, to negotiate and, and keep that relationship positive with the government of Alberta, I think everybody would benefit from, from that. Yeah, so I mean, uh, perhaps in the larger scheme of things, this doesn't really change uh, what's happening at, at the actual bargaining table, right? The, the negotiations continue, the process continues, this just looms over it, but at the end of the day, the Liberals have to keep their head down and try and come up with something that, you know, will at least be palatable. 
Exactly. The the Sovereignty Act is, is very much a, a tool that the Premier um, can, can use. Um, it's, it's a tool at her disposal, uh, her disposal pardon me, um, and she's indicated that she's not afraid to, to yeah. use that. Yeah. So again, like we were saying before, I, I think that there there is obviously a certain degree of, of partisanship and, and of politicking that comes into these types of conversations, and I think that um, this invocation of the Sovereignty Act is a bit of partisan politics posturing on the Premier's part, but the concerns underlying that posturing are valid. Um, and as long as everybody can agree to stay at that bargaining table and, and continue the work that they're doing through the working group that's been established to discuss this, then I'm sure that there will be some kind of solution that can be reached um, that will make this whole situation a little bit more easy to digest for uh, for the folks in Alberta and for the government in Alberta as well. Yeah, uh, always great analysis. Sophie, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Shay.